0: And what's hilarious is they get into the inside and like, it's so disappointing. It's just a cave. And that's actually what happens when you're at Petra. Yes.
1: (laughs) I feel like we should put a disclaimer on this episode. Like, clearly none of us are Arabs. (laughs) (laughs) Three non-Arabs. Yeah, really. (laughs) None
0: of us speak Arabic. Three non-Arabs. That sounds like a 90s band. (laughs) Hey Ryan, are you ready to pour a drink and argue about some more comic books this week old chum? Ah, ramen, no can't do, it's actually Ramadan, the Muslim
2: month of fasting, prayer, reflection, community...
0: Like a billion people well, in the world observe this. That's exactly what we do on this podcast. But Ryan, why does your voice sound so different?
1: Because you're on the wrong podcast, dummy. <laughs> oh, no. I'm Raman Segal. I'm Aman Sharif. And I'm
0: Lena Sharif. And we are three geeks talking about comics that celebrate the cultural and historical nuances of Islam through hip new comic books. And this week,
2: Grounded Geeks is teaming up with Quarantine Comics, for a very special Ramadan episode to talk about our new favorite comic book heroes. Kamala Khan? No, Lena. We already covered that in both of our podcasts. I was actually talking about...
0: The Prophet Muhammad? Blessed be his name?
2: <sighs> Raman. Raman. Did that's not gonna fly, man. Like... <laughs> some bad stuff happened to that french guy
1: and that dutch guy so let's not like let's 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 not not. go there just just yeah yeah, all right all right i know i know i know okay what about squire by sarah alpha g and nadia shamas yes
2: let's do that one a comic book set in an alternate history middle east
1: and north africa
0: so a religious historical fiction
1: No, actually, Roman, Islam goes so much further beyond being a faith that unites billions around the world. It also had a major world influence on music, science, and even pop culture. So honestly, this week's comic set in an Islamic, well, Arab inspired world is long overdue. That's right, Lena. Squire follows Aiza, a
2: 14-year-old girl training to become a knight for a war-torn empire while hiding her true background as a girl from conquered lands, which could be any major world civilization, really. And it's, it's not a Mulan story.
1: <laughs> Born or new, she's a second-class citizen of the once great Bait Saji Empire. So sorry if I'm mispronouncing that.
0: You offended all of our Bait Saji (laughs) listeners. Jeez, Lena,
1: come on. I know, jeez. So, Isa dreams of a better life of glory and citizenship by leaving her family to enlist in the empire's military. She must navigate friendships and rivalries, train rigorously, and confront the bitter societal truths and lies being told to all of the people of the empire.
0: The book is informed and inspired by many actual elements of Islamic culture and history. I actually had the chance to meet co creator Sarah Alfagy. And we actually just released our chat on my other podcast, Modern Minorities, the one that I love more than this podcast. That conversation actually got me really excited to finally read Squire, which just came out. Um, Highly recommend you check it out. And it's the perfect excuse for a podcast team up for the holy month of Ramadan. So guys, uh, I'm a little biased here, but since Ryan is off working on a final draft of his Junji Ito One Direction fan fiction, and I know we're not going to shit on this book, I got to
1: ask, what did you guys both think of Squire? Just the art alone, the cover alone just had me. I was obsessed with it the moment I saw the cover of this graphic novel. I think I immediately recognized that it had like a Middle Eastern Arab feel to it, like just from the cover somehow. And then I must have seen Sarah tweeting about it. And I don't know how, like maybe someone else that I follow, like follows her and that's how she came up on my feed.
0: Muslim Twitter, got it.
1: Yeah, Muslim Twitter, exactly. So <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's I think. And then I think when I saw obviously mosque, her face, sorry, I was like, oh, joke. hijabi that girl. Okay, <laughs> so yeah.
2: I had no idea this existed because I am too old for Twitter apparently. So yeah. I only heard about it when Lina told me about it. But reading it, I didn't pick up any muslim stuff, but a lot of very, very Arab, Middle yeah. East culture stuff.
0: You know, it's funny, I think of like, I I almost view because my dad, uh, while he was raised Hindu, he studied Islamic architecture. That was one of his specialties as an architecture student in India. And I've always viewed like separate the two words Muslim as being more religious and faith driven and Islam, even though I know it's the name of the faith. But like when I think about architecture and literature and poetry, I use the word Islam. So it's Mm -hmm. like the book felt more Islamic than Muslim to me, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, I can I see what you you're saying with that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I understand what you mean
2: by the differentiation that you're saying, but <laughs> your vocabulary is incorrect in a sense. But it's also okay. right in a sense. So, if you if you talk about Islamic architecture, Muslim architecture, Muslim design from India to North Africa all the way to Spain, You will Mm -hmm. see cultural differences. Mm -hmm. The thing that makes it the driving force behind what makes it Muslim or Islamic Mm -hmm. architecture is that in Islam, or at least the way people have interpreted it over the centuries, Mm -hmm. over the millennia, is that you can't portray people and real life Mm -hmm. things so Mm -hmm. a lot Mm -hmm. of that architecture and design and and especially the aesthetics of things is very geometric driven for that reason
3: yeah
0: that's true because like if you go to like cambodia like where everything's like the ramayans like written on the walls of the temples it's all like figures and you see the same thing in christian Mm -hmm. architecture as well yeah i don't know if that's apparent in judaism but definitely yeah it's huh there's a lot more idolatry in pretty much all the other faiths,
2: yes, and in Islam at least, there's like a hyper anti idolatry.
0: Yeah, that yeah, exists. Yeah,
2: in in our faith, if if that makes sense. So in in the whole avoidance of that's why you have that's why you sort don't of, see a lot of Muslim comics. <laughs> also, Honestly, <possible>. yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, or it's all of our parents going like, no, you can't do that as a career. <laughs>
1: actually yeah it's more the latter <laughs> than anything now yep it's like no how are you gonna make money off of that okay
0: so i i guess the question i want to ask you guys is i i think we all like randomly discovered this book in different ways like i like networked with the artist and found out she was making a book and got so excited about the book she was making that i had to read it and i I could have put this down I, i've actually now read it twice it just It felt so textured. That's like, other Mm -hmm. than like the story and the plot, there's just like so much love and attention to detail in this book that I couldn't put down. Definitely, definitely.
1: Yeah, I actually, I... Basically, I came across this on Twitter, Muslim Twitter. And
3: <laughs> it <laughs> so is a thing.
1: <laughs> it is 100%, it's a thing. Like there's Black Twitter, Asian Twitter, Muslim Twitter, it's all there. So, yeah, on Twitter and Instagram and also now TikTok, I just really enjoy following different artists. And they're not necessarily comic book artists, they could be like painting, sculpting, whatever it is. I don't know. I think I just, especially when people post videos of like, like a time lapse of them creating something. I think something about that is very soothing to me or so, whatever. So, <laughs> so I follow a lot of different illustrators and artists and stuff and I'm I can't remember if how exactly I started following Sarah Alphaeji, but somehow I just came across her work and I really loved it. And then once I saw her promoting her book and the cover of the book Honestly, I was just like oh, this is so cool and it reminded me also of a lot of young adult books that I read as a kid. Like there was a series of books by Tamara Pierce and I'm I think the series is called like The Song of the Lioness or something and it's about this girl who wants to become a knight and but in that world girls aren't allowed to become knights or anything and she has a twin brother who he does not want to become a knight <laughs> and so she like s- switches spots with him and he goes off to like become a wizard or something and she goes Mulanedic, off and pretends huh? to be a yeah exactly and she <laughs> she pretends to be a boy and and like slowly becomes a page a squire etc and like goes up through the ranks and like only a certain few people know that she's a woman and anyway it's a whole thing. But, but with this, there's like this
0: unapologetic nature. There's none of that Mulaning. It's- Yeah. Most yes. of the major characters are females. So it's like, mm-hmm. no, it's more of a socioeconomic commentary. Yes. Like the hero's journey.
1: I actually mm-hmm. wanted to bring that up because I love that about Squire. There are certain TV shows or books or movies where I appreciate the acknowledgement of sexism. And I'm like, yes, let's talk about this because this sucks. And- but for some reason going into this into this graphic novel, I just really liked that that wasn't a thing and like sexism was not the issue we're dealing with here. We're dealing with colonialism and oppression of other kinds. <laughs> but so, so I just, I, I don't know, I thought that was really refreshing and I was ready for it. The moment I realized like, oh, that's not going to be an issue. Great. Awesome. Let's get into this.
0: One thing I've always loved about, or since I've, you know, got to know and appreciate who Sarah Alpha G is, but like her bio literally says a bunch of stuff that she's done. And it's like, well, that's cool and all. Sarah really just wants to draw girls with
1: swords. That's it. Yep. I I read that on the book too. And I love that. (laughs) Yeah,
2: it was very much of a like, yeah, no, that's, I I don't know. I, I read that and I just didn't even blink at it. I'm like, yeah, that's a totally legit interest to have. And hobby mm-hmm. to have like it just yeah. didn't it just didn't reading that it just felt so natural especially after reading this book where it was like oh yeah no yeah yeah no i, I would i just assumed you wanted to draw girls with swords like it just it was just was so such a
0: perfect description i didn't even it didn't even face me
1: <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly
0: and, and like the the thing there's so much to dive into about like the plot itself but like and the twist or the reveal at the end of like what this book is really about, it's not the hero's journey in a way. Mm-hmm. Like she's not the chosen one necessarily, even though it seems like that is what this book's about. But whether it's it's commenting on empires and the military, because it's like in Western militaries, all volunteer armies like we have in the United States, it's there's a lot of marketing to poorer people. Like, hey, join the military. Here's yeah. your chance. And between that and like the like thinly veiled hey Ottoman Empire stuff, like I was like, okay, so you're commenting on the past and the present.
1: Well, nicely done. Yeah, I thought that so- was fascinating. See, I was actually
2: there is a lot of Ottoman Empire stuff in here, but I was actually oh. picking up on a lot of. So okay,
0: it was mostly the hats for me. Amount that that was. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm gonna channel my inner Ryan. Shout out to. To missing Ryan.
0: Is this the podcast where you start shitting on the book completely?
2: (laughs) Yes and no. I can can only do so much, Ryan. But it is going to come out a little. All right? The big weakness of this story that I felt was insufficient world building. Okay? Mm. And there's a reason why I felt that. It's actually... And this is the part where I start to move away from my inner Ryan. They tease the authors teased so much. I wanted more. All yes, right?
1: they I didn't, got the same feeling. I didn't get... There's all
2: of this beautiful artwork that touches out to different parts of this world. However, I didn't get the sense that there was a fully fleshed out history of this world. Or if there was, it wasn't touched on enough. In terms of... Now, channeling my inner Amman, the <laughs> I got a lot of actually Roman Empire vibes from this, and certain mm. things were callbacks to how the Mongol army used to operate. And I absolutely, absolutely loved that the template for the barracks where the, where the training mm. of the recruits was happening was basically the ruins of Petra all right mm-hmm. yeah back in the day so petra was this huge center of trade for is it
1: petra or petra i've never Petra. it's in syria petra. Yeah. yeah
0: yeah petra it doesn't exist anymore but
1: <laughs> well I mean, as of you know, the
0: last
2: five
1: years I mean, you can still visit it. i saw it's can- on my bucket list no <laughs> yeah. no no like
0: I, I have visited it it's oh um, yeah, yeah. It's just been bombed to all shit in the last five to ten years <sighs> yeah, yeah yeah hmm. anyway sorry on that depressing are we about,
1: sorry i was thinking about petra and jordan
0: oh no i'm sorry i'm thinking palmyra i'm gonna shut up oh, for a yeah. second petra,
1: okay 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 yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah i was like wait yeah, jordan? petra, like, and, okay, jordan. Right? petra yeah, yeah. and jordan
0: so yeah yeah because that's, that's like the first thing the first building is petra and what's yeah. hilarious is they're they get into the inside and like it's so disappointing it's just a cave and that's actually what happens when you're at petra <laughs> yes <laughs>
1: I feel but, like we should put a disclaimer on this episode. Like, clearly none of us are Arabs. <laughs> but what's so, up, everyone? But go on, Iman. So, the thing about
2: Petra is that when it was actually a thriving civilization and it has currently not yet been bombed to dust, it was actually a huge <laughs> trading center. So, if you yeah. go to different museum exhibits that are displaying things from Petra, you'll They, you'll see pieces of architecture that have been removed, like pillars that have fallen apart, that Mm -hmm, take cultural themes from all over the world, from India to Africa. Mm -hmm. And you'll see writing from everywhere. So there was a huge blend of different cultures happening at this what we suspect is a was a major trading hub, so there was this little callback right at the beginning where it was like we're doing this in this building from back in the day for you to remember when our it represents what this empire once was, yeah, to represent what this empire once was, and that also then immediately made me think of how the Mongol army operated. This is the largest em- land empire the world has ever known, and it was truly a multicultural army genghis khan after he did his initial thing and started to expand bringing in new bodies bringing in more soldiers to expand his armies to continue the expansion it included everybody they really did not care who you were where you where you were from you just you just had to fight and mm-hmm. because of that yeah. they ruled the world from china to ukraine
1: Mm -hmm. i bet they still didn't include women though right i'm trying to think don't i am not sure about that
2: actually but i have a feeling that they did not care if you were a man or a woman they might have cared after they took over china because the chinese had a lot confucian philosophy ha, has a lot of ideas behind and thoughts around people's <laughs> roles in society everybody has a place in a, a role a sweet
1: way to put it in
2: mind. <laughs> i'm, I'm losing out on words here right? i'm doing the best i can with the vocabulary i have but i do know that like in in early islam there were a lot of women who fought in the army, in the front lines, mm-hmm. and everything—they yeah. were there. But a lot of a lot of limitations existed. Not to go down this sexist rant or anything like that, but like not a lot of women because some mm-hmm. women had to actually raise the kids
3: mm-hmm. because
2: technology had not caught up to allow for completely equitable distribution of labor. Right, and, right. And
0: One thing that you commented on, and I'm, I am actually torn on this, is the world building in this is so good. And these guys like a lot of the same fantasy and geek stuff that we like. I come back to like Avatar The Last Airbender, which is something mm-hmm. I know Sarah has, I think Sarah and Nadia actually teamed up for some, some work for Free Comic Book Day with it. But it's this fully built out world. And this is like one episode or one season in that world and i don't know if this is a one and done it sounds like it is Mm -hmm. but because the world is so thoughtfully rendered and based on the texture of everything is so real you could you could set a lot of stuff in this universe they just chose to set one book is this book one as a one and done or is this book one of many where either you're going to follow this band of misfits through the world or you're going to see other people like what happened with that empire where is it going or even the ornu
1: people right so that's exactly yeah i I, the moment i finished this book i was like where's book two i (laughs) i I mean and i also felt like it was a good setup too for the next story or whatever the next adventure they're gonna go on it was there's a
0: saying lena that's like you're supposed to you never want to be at the party when people wish you had left you want to leave the party when everyone wishes you were still staying around but i'm I'm picturing it but i feel like that's what this book did but Mm -hmm. i think they did it too soon
1: yeah or they didn't uh,
0: spend long enough here
1: or i could see this being a really strong trilogy even if they obviously don't want to go on and keep doing it forever but i really i really hope they do more i'm yeah I'm really hoping
0: yeah, for it. I, on a bit of a tangent, something I'm I'm really I've been exploring a lot of comic creators are moving over to Substack. And um Jonathan Hickman, who did a lot of work on Avengers, Fantastic Four and X-Men most recently, he's got a Substack called something like I'm going to actually have to look this up. John Hickman Substack. But the name of his his work is uh Three Worlds, Three Moons. And if you subscribe to his Substack, he's like writing out all the architecture, all the world building and he's once he's written his Bible, so to speak, he basically is letting other creators come into the world and do whatever they want with it. And mm. Lucasfilm is doing that as well to yeah. a degree, and that's what I want. So even if Sarah and Nadia are done, which I hope they're not, it's just such a rich world that I want more of.
1: Yeah, that would so, be that would be amazing too.
2: So I agree and disagree with you both at the same time. I agree <laughs> in the sense of like, yes, I. I wanted more, but I think, at least for me, within the pages of the book, I feel like there were opportunities to tease more about a broader history in this world that they didn't, and I wish they had, and I think that would have made it even more enticing for us to want a book, too.
0: But I don't think you have to, Amon, because I think it's just enough for them to pull the veil over our eyes and be like... Uh, we're actually talking about your world, guys. All of this commentary, yes, these are like fictional characters, but it, it's it's used to veil a commentary on the world as it stands today. Colonialism, military for poor people, etc. cetera, et cetera. Oh. What, who, hist- it's something Nadia writes in her essay on the back is like when history is told to you, like you really should pay attention to who's telling you the history. Mm-hmm. I was like, right. oh, yeah, because that's the story these peasants are being told. About the military and about the might of the empire.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. My criticism of this book is that was the one criticism I had.
1: (laughs) Mm. (laughs) (laughs) And I had to fish for it. (laughs) 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 Oh, man. Well, okay. So did either of you have a favorite character or favorite scene?
2: The general at the end, Mm -hmm. where she's talking about, and and this is very much of like my moment of like, I love that line from Darth Vader type of thing. (laughs) She's definitely and very clearly the bad guy of this story. But (laughs) she has this awesome at the end where she's talking about her role in making sure that this empire, which... Keep keep not knowing how to pronounce it. The Baji. Yeah, that's on you guys. The Bait Ba-ji. Saji. Be't bait Saji. Saji. Mm-hmm. Raman, neither of us speak Arabic, right? Yeah,
0: <laughs> three non Arabs.
2: <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> None of us speak Arabic. Three <laughs> so non Arabs.
0: That sounds like a 90s band. Anyway, <laughs>
2: <laughs> that would be a but great like, band name. <laughs> when she's talking about her role in maintaining the longevity. Of the Beit Saji Empire. All right. I absolutely loved that part because to me it spoke not only about how it's so easy for to be to to do bad things for for what are in your eyes the right reasons, but also it 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 brought it brought to mind for me about how a lot of standing armies have had to operate in the past. So the Ottoman Empire for example with the Janissaries that was at least at the time the only standing army that existed at at during that time in the world during the Mongol when the Mongol Empire was expanding greatly. All of these militaries that have that have had standing armies have had to continue to to conquest because their entire economy ends up being based on continued expansion, continued military action. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And
2: when that is the basis on which your economy is surviving, you have to take action to keep that going. It's the same thing that drove post how do I say this? Colonial Europe ended up becoming colonial Europe because they had a zero-sum economy. If you have Mm -hmm. some, if if the other guy has something, it means that I don't have it. And so colonialism was a way for them to get around that. If you weren't in the game of colonialism, you were not going to have what the other guy was getting. And so a lot, I, I really liked that moment because it referenced so many different, things and systems in history all crammed into just these couple of pages Mm -hmm. that was
0: my favorite moment yeah and that's what it was it wasn't characters so much lena i think it was it was moments like i i fell in love with the characters i related to them i I, you laugh with them and you cry with them and there's so many hilarious moments that are like almost cartoony driven but (laughs) it's and, and they're just like little beats that are great that again really make you fall in love with these characters but it, it's like statements that like punctuate the moments. some but i dog a few pages there's like a long conversation that isa is having with who is this that she's having this moment with? that's the funny thing let like, i actually don't know who the character she's talking to in it is it the general is it someone else <laughs> but she's talking to yeah she it's right after she's achieved squiredom and the general's telling her you need an idea, an ideology. History is that and more. History is a story mm-hmm. you tell about yourself. Which that sounds all fine and good, but that's propaganda, speaking. You yeah. Know? And but you're you're or you're in the moment. She's achieved this great thing, and you fast forward to just f- further down in the book, and I'm like jumping around to dog-eared pages when the her mentor, the the former knight without an arm. He's like saying this isn't the way the world works, girl. And she's like, but the world is only how we make it. So yeah. how will you make it? And that's her convincing this old guy to like step back up. And there's just like these really charged emotional moments. I could like hear the John Williams score underneath <laughs> it.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. Anyway, my my emotions were manipulated. I'm am a sap for that stuff.
1: <laughs> yeah. My my favorite actually was that that relationship. I I love any relationship when that involves like a cranky old person and a young whippersnapper. <laughs> like I'm just, I'm all for that. Like, and I love when they teach each other things and push each other. And because obviously her mentor had a lot to teach her, but she also got him to, to do something he never would have on his own. So yeah, that was, I, I really liked the different relationships, even the... What, what was the, like, red-headed girl who – Oh, the, like, <laughs> the, the really
0: burly one, the, like, strong yeah. girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. At first I was like, ooh, is she going to be a bully? Like, she's going to be, like, her nemesis or something. But then, like, they're just part of the same group and they hang out together. <laughs> and so I but just that's, – But that's yeah. what made
0: the turn so dark when all of her friends turned against her, right? Yes. And mm-hmm. It's no matter how yeah. close they were, once they found out she was Ornu, Yeah. you know, mm-hmm they really t- I mean and they regret
1: it later on but they they talk shit about their friend like for yeah. a good portion of the book and that's very real right that happens all the time think about just even now like I don't know I feel like if I like when it comes to people's even political ideologies right now in this country if you were to find out someone very close to you is like a trumper or vice versa someone's like a huge liberal whatever like People turn on each other so quickly. And I feel like we've seen so much of that in recent years. Well, it's about about
0: the assumptive beliefs and propaganda. And I I want to bite my tongue because I do think, like as a card carrying like progressive Southern Poverty Law Center member, it's like, hey, Mm -hmm. if if you support this, you're literally supporting things that really don't like my people. And it is something I genuinely like struggle with to a degree, right? Mm -hmm. The book Good Talk talks about that. Like Mira Jacob, the author, talks about her struggle with her in-laws who are Trumpers because if you support this, you believe this man. And that's not what the Ornu bias was, right? The Ornu bias was flat out racism. It was like, oh, those people are dirty. And like there was like quasi-racist jokes against her people. And that's why she hid it. That's why she had to be duplicitous. And then once it's revealed that she was duplicitous, it still comes back to bite her in the ass. And it just you feel for that. So Mm -hmm. I don't I don't know. Again, one of those things where I was just like really, really triggered by it. Because so I don't think we've had to experience that. Although maybe you're right. We are seeing that regardless, right or wrong, like this divisive perception, right? Perception yeah. is our reality.
1: Mm-hmm. Where you just assume once one aspect of a person, you just assume that everything about their personality, everything about their life experiences and... Yeah. Well, because obviously. of all the
0: narratives in the culture, right? Like exactly. What, what the government and the army was saying about the Ornu people, if mm-hmm. you say it enough times, people are going to believe it. That's how propaganda works.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
0: At, at the same time, I feel like this still very much
2: does exist in our world. Maybe I'm- what, maybe Racism's we're... over, Iman. Come on. <laughs> <laughs>
1: now
2: we're uh, over that. <laughs> I was more thinking about Islamophobia. I think that at, maybe- maybe we're far enough removed now from the events of 9-11. But for me, I very actively remember younger when I was younger thinking about like, okay, I need to, I I need to really put on my news anchor voice so that yeah. people who are suspicious of Muslims, don't like Muslims or really buy into the propaganda that they're thrown off by my accent, by my very heavy Midwestern accent. Yeah, um, you become
0: the, I, I like, even as a brown-bearded person in the South back then, it's like I was the nicest guy at the airport. Yeah, when I'd come yeah. back from backpacking strips, I'd pack a collared shirt and a razor yeah. to, like, not be bearded, so I'd be smiling at the Atlanta airport.
2: Yeah, because it's a sense you have to, you're you're fighting an uphill battle simply based right. on what you look like and, and whatnot. And I think that... That still exists to us to a certain extent. When you hear stories that the military is using the movie Three Hundred oh to play for God. play for the recruits, like that's now nah, you're you're fighting that exact same thing that that's being portrayed in Squire.
1: And what's interesting is, so I think growing up again in a very post 9-11 world and dealing with Islamophobia, like Amon, I think you had to figure out how to not seem so threatening as a man and as a woman for me i felt like i had to struggle to be seen period and where and this is just the case i think with a lot of women across all kinds of cultures where Mm -hmm. women are just seen as so non-threatening non-whatever like just oh Right. you don't have anything to say or anything to offer and so so yeah I, I like I definitely like people coming up to me saying things like oh, I didn't know you were funny <laughs> okay because <laughs> yeah, you're not allowed to be right you like, right. didn't think I had a personality cool awesome <laughs> like, it's just yeah things like don't that. you
0: listen to my podcast
1: I know for real <laughs> Lena to
0: be fair I still don't think you're funny
1: Okay, but you're just my mean big brother, okay? That's why. But
0: Seinfeld actually had a quote. He's like, he doesn't understand. uh, Seinfeld's like, I don't understand racism because why hate a whole group of people for one big reason when there's lots of individual reasons to hate a person?
1: (laughs) Yeah, really. Honestly, though. (laughs) Yeah, seriously.
2: It took everything in in me for for my comment to be that personal statement and not Mm. the first thing that was coming to mind, which was a theory amongst historians about why the Roman Empire fell, Mm. which is- And why is that, Iman? One (laughs) theory is that as the Roman Empire was expanding, their army was stretched thin. And so they had Mm -hmm. to bring in more people who were not Roman into the ranks which Mm. eroded military discipline as well as the drive to expand
0: nationalism built into it right
2: exactly exactly and so if if you are if if you if you think about that time and and fall really of more of the western roman empire and and you are in a military and there are colonists colonials or not what am i thinking of people who uh, have conquered territories joining your elite military this that scene also i feel like where where her friends all of a sudden where isa's friends all of a sudden are suspicious of her think she was a spy feel like they lied to her it's also this built in like oh this is somebody who comes from a group of people who does not believe in the 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 greatness of the homeland and and if you look at it
0: that way, it's I, interesting. I think it's what, what was interesting is Aiza didn't. Aiza did, did it. I, well. was in it for the opportunity. The reason a lot of she people wants. joined the military, yeah. She wasn't in it for the nation building.
1: Yeah. yeah, true. She wanted to be a hero. Mm-hmm. Which is yeah. I think.
0: Well, maybe that was it. That was the marketing of like the the flyer that she saw. But it really was like she wanted to escape her station in life.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. But so much of that propaganda was i think subconsciously affecting her uh, where where she didn't realize it and so much of that happens now if you look at if you see ads for the u.s army like be all you can be yeah like i don't know it's just it's so dramatic like cue john williams music and so yeah (laughs) there's a lot of that and and they'll pay for your college tuition that's a huge one that is (laughs) a big one yeah
2: (laughs) Although a lot of some of the branches I've heard have cut back on that. And I'm specifically thinking of the Marines because they really don't want people who are just in there for the college tuition.
1: Yeah. Mm. Think about Wait, that so-
2: for a second. The, the U.S. Marines, I don't know if this is still true, but at one point they eliminated the tuition benefits because they felt that it would tarnish the commitment of the people choosing to enlist in the Marines.
0: Hmm. So the GI Bill doesn't fully apply then?
2: So- the GI Bill is mostly for re- veterans, not uh-huh. for
0: recruits. So what, once you leave service, got it, got it. Yes, yes, exactly. What's, so it's so interesting about this idea of national service, right? Because say what you will. So in America, we are in all volunteer service. And to your point about like college tuition being a motivator in a lot of european countries colleges if you make the grades you can get it and the state will cover it and then flipping on it on its head over however you feel about israel you have this compulsory military service which is just about service to nation and cause and as a result that drives a deeper nationalism because everyone has a part every and even a reticence to to deploy the military sometimes because everyone knows someone in it right now or someone's right. been in it so i i'm really conflicted of like what is the right play for service and specifically like military service, because it's like, if you have a hammer, you're going to want to use it. That's a military industrial complex. So yes, but at the same time, like we are so removed from our wars in this country because it's, it's a different. So for the most part, it's a different socioeconomic strata that fights our wars for us nowadays. Unlike in Vietnam, when it was like everyone knew someone who was in it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. There are, there are two big things to keep in mind for most countries like South Korea, Taiwan, mm-hmm. they also have compulsory military Impulsory. service. Yeah. If you are if you are South Korean, you are not just South Korean by citizenship, you're also South Korean by ethnicity, by race. Mm-hmm. Same thing with being mm-hmm. French or German. Mm-hmm. The US is very unique in the sense that if you are American, it really doesn't have anything to do, as much as some people may try to make it that way, mm-hmm, it really mm-hmm. has nothing to do with what your ethnicity is. It purely is citizenship and where and how you were well, born and mostly geography. raised. Yeah. yeah. So so whether... Although, the also right the right amount of fast answer, food that you
0: eat. I'm sorry? Also the amount of fast food you eat.
1: Yes, yes. That's a, Although, that's a
2: big one. That's a big one.
1: Can I interject <laughs> and just say that Everything you're saying is true, but I think it's funny how it's been put in practice historically. Whereas Black Americans who were serving in the army were definitely treated as non-American or less than obviously in their service. Yeah, everything. while they're in the so, service, yeah.
0: Tuskegee, right? And then yeah. obviously when mm-hmm. they came
1: back. Yeah. yeah, no, I don't,
2: I don't disagree with you on on that. But I'm talking purely about Ruman. What you said about what what the right call is to to create a sense of nationalism and shared identity these mm-hmm. different circumstances for different countries means that the solution or what the right answer is is different
0: well and if you look at type taiwan yeah south korea and israel <laughs> like in the national identity again rightly or wrongly there is a sense of i don't want to say siege mentality but they're all living on a uh, contested yeah. border <laughs> Yeah. right with a but relatively small population.
2: We we did pick those specific examples that happen to have that in common, but there are other countries that <laughs> that are not actively under a siege right now or have for some reason a siege mentality. I think of them. <laughs> like Sweden has a compulsory has a compulsory military service. Wow. I'm pretty sure Finland does as well. But I think Finland probably has a little bit has a little bit closer to a siege mentality, given that they have been invaded by Russia
0: multiple times. Yeah, Uh, given that they are petitioning to join the EU as we speak.
3: (laughs) And NATO. I don't know why. (laughs) Gosh. And
0: Uh, we we completely left the world of. Squire. (laughs)
2: Well, did we though all of these things <laughs> exactly. Are, exactly. speak to this core question of recruits to a military and trying to recruit people into a standing military who are not part of the the core quote unquote of of the empire to be served?
0: Well, and that that's the whole book. right? the, the whole book is it tricks you, right? It's like it's this hero's journey to become a squire, to become a knight, to become a mm-hmm. citizen. And by, by the latter third of the book, it just flips it on its head. It's like, oh no, that's not what this is about. This mm-hmm. is about how that's the wrong mentality.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. That's probably like the most brilliant part of the book. <laughs> yeah. I still do like how they really stuck to, they the, how Sarah and Nadia really kept Isa's hero's journey throughout. It just doesn't end up where you think it's going to end up.
0: She still ends up a hero at the end. Well, it would be like if Star Wars started out with Luke. Oh, he did, right? Luke Skywalker. I don't know if you want to join. He did want to join the Rebellion always, but it would be like if Star Wars started with Luke wanting to join the Empire to be a TIE fighter pilot and he fell into all the propaganda of the Empire. And then by the end of it, he's like the rebel hero, right? And that's not quite what these three are going to do at the end of the or these three or four are going to do at the end of the book uh there if if anything she like tells her mentor I was like uh no we're going off the grid we're out of here
2: <laughs> yeah really it's more like han solo's journey if you think about it
0: no wookiees in this book though we I mean, that's well, what we've... this book needed <laughs> <laughs> wookies a furry mascot no
1: <laughs> no it had everything perfectly <laughs> but no han solo got turned away well you could me, argue her mentor old... is the furry mascot so that's true i guess yeah <laughs>
2: Han Solo got turned down from the from the Stormtrooper Academy. Oh, this is yeah. true. And then he ended mm. up being a smuggler, and then ended up being part of a rebellion and a rebel hero.
0: So you're saying Squire Volume 2 as she becomes a smuggler?
2: Yes. Ooh, but but it's interesting, that to, that to be a
0: little this. more serious, that's probably where I see they're going to be living on the fringes, the, these four people, and they'll reluctantly probably do the right thing, Kung Fu or Usaji Yojimbo style. They're <laughs> almost like Wandering Ronin. <laughs>
2: I, I'm laughing because I want to read that story so badly right now. <laughs> Squire book two, where Isa and friends are samurai sevening the shit out of everything.
1: That would be amazing. I would watch the shit out of that if that turned into a TV show at some point, which I hope it does. Right. I also want Squire in general to turn into some animated show.
0: I, I'm of such like mixed feelings. Like the older I get, I'm more of a purist of stick to the medium like i don't look i want sarah and nadia to get all the things so like cool Mm -hmm. make it a cartoon go for it Uh, make that rich that (laughs) ip money but in reality like i just want more of these books like it's like it's it's beautifully told the pacing it works in the medium this is what the medium's about like it's and this is where it mixes ya action very progressive unapologetic yeah girls is the hero like i want when my daughter's older i want her to read this because and, and political commentary like subterfuge and yeah. political commentary like it's 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 the real deal it's the full package so i'm just mm-hmm. really happy that this book is out
2: yeah yeah for it's sure, f- fantastic and looking at the cover i think i've been here really yeah 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 i think this is a <laughs> set of pillars on the coast of turkey oh near no i'm not 100% sure i'm going to have to look at old pictures from 2000 before sarah was born apparently to <laughs> to, to see if this is actually the same place but i'm i'm pretty sure i've been here and that's
1: awesome <laughs> <laughs> That'd be really cool. I'm pretty sure she got all sh- all of the imagery and the scenes and landscapes are inspired from places she went to in Jordan, though, right? Yeah, well, that that
0: was like one thing she told us in the interview. It's like, yeah, as a child, she was traveling around and taking pictures and drawing and almost like collecting reference material her whole life for this book. So, That's, so that's
2: awesome. Writing. I think in 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 your in shout out to modern minorities for interviewing a Sarah. I think she said there that she got reference materials not just she got reference materials from Turkey and Jordan. So oh, Okay. Yeah.
1: Cool, yeah. cool.
0: I think uh, Someone did their homework. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> and it was Sarah.
2: Well, I had yes. to, I, it was and it was Sarah. Yes. <laughs>
0: But yeah, I think. Well, guys, I I, I, I gotta ask you guys a fundamental question. We like to ask folks on quarantine comics, and Mm. would you recommend this book to someone? And while I I think the answer is yes, I guess who would you recommend this book to?
1: Mm. I would recommend this book to someone who has no idea about Arab history, (laughs) or or who just. Draws a blank slate when they think of various empires in the Middle East. So. <laughs> what what about you, Amon? I was, I would recommend,
2: and yes, obviously I would recommend this book, but I would <laughs> recommend it to two kinds of people. Anybody who has any interest with knights, tales, heroes, journey stuff, because mm. this is... Exactly. That story, it's just in a different setting, and chances are they'll get just as much out of it. The Mm. other person I would recommend it to is somebody who is a a history buff on on old school empires and and things like that. Because, at least for me, I got a lot out of this book because of my pre-existing interest in...
3: Mm how
2: the Ottoman military functioned as compared to the Roman military, as compared to the Mongol military, the callback to this one time years ago, I went to a museum exhibit that was showing artifacts from Petra, like all of that stuff. It just brought so much. And I got so much out of it because I already had the interest in all of these things and, and the shout outs in this book to that. So I would recommend it. To people who know everything about, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> those old empires and civilizations, and also to people who know nothing about it and purely have an interest in in heroes' journeys, knight's tales.
1: I like, Aman, how your tactic is like, give it to the nerds. And mine was like, here, learn something. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) You guys have
0: like way more sophisticated answers than me. Because I'm like, I just want every 10-year-old boy and girl to read this
1: book. It should be required (laughs) reading in middle school. I want every kid to read this book. Yeah, but
2: I think it's for kids who have no exposure to stuff or who have only been exposed to Middle Eastern or what am I saying? Middle Ages, Europe, Knights, Tales. It's But imagine
0: if this was the first Knights book that they read, right? If like Mm. we have all the baggage from all the other shit we've read, but what if this was the first one? And I say Mm -hmm. that because of literally all of the like socioeconomic commentary. Like what if this was the first thing you can inject? Oh crap, I just got this book banned, I'm sure. (laughs) Oh God. (laughs) (laughs) Squire, not popular in Tennessee.
1: (laughs) <laughs> no, but really, this book could even if some kid, even if they have been exposed to like the Roman Empire and Middle Ages yeah. and all that, like this book could spark an interest in other kinds of histories and empires. I think, for yeah, God.
2: what's what's really interesting to me about having a knight's tale in this setting of pseudo. Ottoman, fictional Ottoman slash Mongol slash Muslim civilization eras is that the knight's tales that we are typically used to of the Middle Ages, that was the crap global military. This is the same story told at at like the same fictional time in a Mm -hmm. context where the military was top of the world. The yeah. dark ages in Europe were not the dark ages everywhere else. Hmm.
3: But all the hmm. night's
2: tales that we read is basically from the dark ages. Europe was yes. not a, was not a power of any kind. That was the backwater that nobody wanted to go to for vacation.
3: <laughs> okay.
1: That's my, that's truly my favorite like thing to learn about is Okay. Like what was going on in a totally different part of the world when this was happening? Like when Queen Elizabeth I was ruling, okay, England was crap. It was <laughs> disease just, was everywhere. It was disgusting. <laughs> it was truly it and it was one Protestant nation surrounded by a whole bunch of Catholic nations. They had no friends in Europe, England at that time. And yeah. the, one of the biggest reasons that they survived, really, is because of the ties that Queen Elizabeth and the, the trade, whatever, routes and stuff that she established with like the Ottoman Empire, with the Mughal Empire. And by yeah. the way, at that time, while she was reigning and people were... had no clue about anything related to hygiene in England the Mughal Empire had like fountains of water everywhere they had like everything was glorious and beautiful gardens flowing and blah 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 everyone's educated well not everyone but so it's it's so interesting to think about what a totally different part of the world geographically was like what at the same time as like sometime something happening in Europe that we've learned so much about in our history classes, but never learned about that other part of the world.
0: Yeah. 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 There's back into comic books, like there's in Neil Gaiman's Sandman, there's one issue that takes place in the Middle East. And one thing is like Gaiman is a little bit Eurocentric, but it's just like the contrast for what the ancient world was like in the Middle East versus that. And it's like one of the few times I've seen pop culture other than like Disney and Aladdin, I guess, but but again, it's it's contrasting what the world, what the surrounding Eurocentric world was like versus the Middle East. You don't see that a lot in pop culture.
2: Yeah,
1: no, not at all. So interesting.
2: If, if anything, I feel like the 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 con the cultural backdrop of Squire actually makes this more relevant reading, I think, for young Americans because <laughs> the 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 story takes
0: place amongst a superpower <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know and not yeah, why are we fighting why do we think we're fighting and why do we think we're enlisting right? yeah
2: i think i think the 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 territory of guam has like the highest percentage population of veterans mm-hmm. in the u.s military and this is for an island that's not that doesn't even have the right to vote in, in in U.S. elections, and I feel like this is the, the just purely based on the backdrop that Sarah and Nadia chose for their book. I feel like it 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 may be the same story, but just changing that backdrop makes it so much more relevant to the questions that that young Americans are more likely to face. Or come across,
0: I think. Well, I think that's what good fiction does. Specifically, you see it more in sci-fi than fantasy. But it's like, oh, we're not talking about your modern-day genocide and racism. We're talking <laughs> about robots and aliens. And I think that's what this does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
0: I-, I think I'm almost done. But like... uh can one of you guys ask me for our podcast? What are we reading next week? Or it's like, oh, uh, typically it's like, hey, I have one last question. Like, and we can still finish up any more thoughts on Squire, but I think we're yeah, yeah. Out.
1: I'm. I think I'm done on my end. But yeah. So wait, what do you want us to ask? So I, I know what you want us to ask. I know what you want us to ask. All right, go for it, Amon.
2: <laughs> All right, Roman. So tell me. I I know I won't be there, but I want to know. What are you reading next week on Quarantine Comics?
0: Well, Amon, you should go check out the comic The Killer from the late 90s. It's a French comic book by the writer Matz and the artist Luc Jacquemon, which follows the life of an initially an unnamed assassin. Uh, I have no idea what this book's about. This is Ryan's (laughs) pick, and it's probably going to fuck me up and give me weird dreams. But next (laughs) week, we're reading all five or six volumes of Jacquemont and Matz's The Killer.
2: Wow. That sounds awesome.
0: i'm speechless (laughs) guys this was so much fun uh i love that we had way more like history lesson and political debate
1: (laughs) yes what we love to do on grounded geeks
0: (laughs) we totally leveled up the pod thank you for uh letting me join in geek out and i'm sorry ryan had to miss out on this
1: well i
2: i tried to bring him in in spirit yes (laughs) But with we your
1: missed you, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe next time all four of us can be chatting. But yes, thank you, Roman. We really appreciate it. Yeah, this was a blast. Yeah.
0: And that's our show. Like what you heard? Be sure to share with a friend, subscribe, and leave us a review wherever you get your favorite podcasts. See lots of pretty pictures of the books we read at QTDcomics.com. And since we're sure no one's listening, prove us otherwise. Shoot an email over to say what I got right and what Ryan got wrong. QTDcomics at gmail.com give you a social media handle, but we're old and that feels too much work i'm roman segal and i am and have always been ryan jones
3: Constantinople should be waiting in Istanbul Even old New York Was once New Amsterdam Why did she is what I can say People just like it better that way So take me back to Constantinople Like do go back to Constantinople better a long time gone Constantinople But you Constantinople never the works There's no money business of the time Was Once New Amsterdam My picture, but I can say People just like it better that way Istanbul was Constantinople No, it's Istanbul, Constantinople Been a long time gone Constantinople, what you can't start to the works, there's nobody business But the time Constantinople, but a long time gone Constantinople, but you can't say the noble give it works It's nobody's business but the Turks Istanbul Istanbul